Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. You have tuned into the Daily Roundup on this, a Tuesday, September 26, 2023. I'm David Menzies and my co-host. Well, let me tell you a little bit about my co-host, shall I? Do you know, folks, today is National Love Note Day? My co-host will not be receiving a love note from me. Don't get the wrong idea. I do love her. It's just that I love being gamefully employed even more. She is the <laughs> she-devil with a spatula. She is the Khaleesi of the greater Coburg area. She is <laughs> Tamara Ugolini. How you doing on this National Love Note Day, uh, Tamara? And who are you sending, if anyone, a love note to? Well, you have my, the hamster wheels are turning in my brain now. I'm like, okay, I have approximately six hours until my husband gets home, which leaves me enough time to write him a little handmade love note uh, that I'm sure he would cherish for forever. Um, boy, David, how I've missed your candid introductions. It has been, I don't even know how long it's been. It has to have been over a month, over maybe six, eight weeks by now. But you know what? Um, I'm, I'm so sorry because I, I do enjoy, I call it, Tuesdays with Tamara, and usually she makes the incredible uh, expedition down <laughs> from Coburg to Toronto, but she had some other things uh, to do today, folks, so we have to do it virtually. And I see you've got your lovely Ugolini license plates, your vanity yes. plates oh, in the background. I, um, I understand you have my menzoid plates. Uh, I, am I going to get those back before Christmas, uh, Tamara, or do We're I have to come up to your... <laughs> yeah, okay. We're aiming for next week. We're aiming for next week, back in the flat. Today, unfortunately, right, I didn't have uh, time to commute after an appointment this morning, um, but I am so looking forward to getting back in the studio, back in person, seeing all of the renovations live in action because it's kind of been this um, a lot of different changes happening in the studio that have kind of um, resulted in perpetual remote hosting of the live stream. So we're finally ready to bring back in studio action. And next week, David, you're much anticipated, long awaited license plates will be finally in your hands. I've kept them safe and bubble wrapped for you. So don't despair. <laughs> well, there. thank you kindly to Mario Galini. And I'll tell you, it's been so long since I last saw you. I love that new hairdo. It's wild yet controlled. It looks like one of those $350 <laughs> Yorkville haircuts. Uh, but uh, Doesn't you know, that describe me? There you are, <laughs> wild yet controlled. <laughs> That's as much as you're going to get on this National Love Note Day. Um, Tamara, I see it's an incredibly slow news. Tuesday yet again. As always, right? I said tongue firmly in cheek. But before we get to the latest shenanigans, um, why don't you tell the folks what it is we're attempting to do here today? Yes. So for anybody who isn't familiar, this is our daily roundup, our daily live stream where we come to you live on air in the flesh, usually in studio or sometimes in studio. And uh, it's basically an hour of every afternoon from 1 to 2 p.m. Eastern where we can candidly bring you the newsiest news items of the day. And today there is so much going on, um, whether that be at home here in Canada or abroad, but you can find us on a few different platforms. So we are streaming on YouTube, Rumble, Getter, and Odyssey. Unfortunately, YouTube 
demonetized our channel uh, over, I think, about a year and a half ago at this point now because of alleged wrong think and uh, having dissident contrarian viewpoints on a lot of the COVID hysteria and some election questioning, which we're not allowed to do on those platforms. But I don't think we're getting into any of that nitty gritty today. So we will hopefully stay live on all of those platforms, uh, mostly the censorious one, YouTube. But if you head on over to Rumble, there's a fun way that you can support our efforts through a small monetary donation and also have your comment read live on air with us. And so it's a great way to give get your opinion read on air, um, have us maybe provide some comment or banter on it, or just give us a tip or a trick, whatever you see fit. So if you aren't joining us, I would say head on over to Rumble. Seems to be where more uh, freedom-minded people are going anyway to get uncensored news and opinion. So I always like to recommend that platform there. And of course, it's a great way for you to support us and keep the lights on because all, you know, just the equipment alone is such a massive expense um, trying to bring you the other often, I like to say, unreported side of the story. So uh, the the newsiest news item, I would say, today is coming from our own parliament, where uh, on Friday, a former Hitler regime member was <laughs> applauded in the House of Commons. If you can, like this is, it's so hard to believe that this is real life. Um, but he was given the hero's welcome in Canada's parliamentary chambers. And House Leader Anthony Rhoda is apparently responsible for this invitation and this whole debacle. Um, and so we have a CBC News article here where Liberal cabinet ministers have come forward and they believe that his days in the house of commons are numbered um so there's been a head uh, <laughs> i would hope um i am shocked that it's already taken this long we're so it happened on friday so we went the weekend and then yesterday um the pushback and the backlash about this was was insane. Thankfully, um, people were very quick to say, hey, wait a minute, I'm pretty sure this guy is is um, responsible for some serious war criminal activity. Um, what is he doing in our House of Commons? And why did everybody applaud him unquestionably? It's just like a bunch of clapping seals. And um, and, you know, yeah, go ahead, David. Tamara, th this is the story. It is the Anthony Rhoda death watch, I'll call it. Not death as in going to the pearly gates. I mean, the death of his political career. Uh, this is a story that is developing by the minute. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to guess if we had an office pool here, I'm thinking 5 p.m. Uh, that is uh, the when you know, the anvil is going to be dropped on uh, Mr. Rota and good riddance. Uh, when you mm -hmm. have the Bloc Quebecois, the NDP, and now the Conservatives saying you got to resign, when you have multiple, multiple liberal cabinet ministers saying uh, he's got to resign, the knives are out. Uh, blackface, uh, of course, he's never going to apologize for anything, unless it's one of those fake apologies to Mario Galini where he says, uh, we have a learning moment here here in terms of uh, what happened. Uh, we, uh, why does this prime minister have a pronoun problem? I didn't grope Rose Knight. I didn't put blackface on my face multiple times. So many times I can't even remember. It's you. Why can't he use the pronoun I? I am sorry. Still hasn't said that in regard to the latest fiasco. And um, 
I'm saying uh, to Mario Ugolini, this does not go far enough, Mr. Rhoda, uh, getting mm -hmm. the bums rush out the door. Uh, I would call on, well, if I had it my way, the prime minister to resign over this, but we know that's a fantasy. But certainly somebody in the prime minister's office, because this is an outrage, as I mentioned with Sheila yesterday, when this event took place, you had the entire house in session. You had the prime minister and the opposition leaders. You had a visiting head of state who is unarguably the number one assassination target in the world today in terms of uh, Mr. Zelensky. Are you telling me that not everybody is double and triple and quadruple checked? And if they weren't, if the PMO office did not go through that procedure, Tamara, I am saying that is grotesque incompetence, and that is also worthy of somebody getting the ax as well. Your thoughts? Well, grotesque incompetence seems to be a reoccurring theme in our parliamentary <laughs> system, doesn't it? Uh, this is no surprise that there is this, as you put it, grotesque incompetence happening um, within the prime minister's office. And um, at this point, I mean, I, I say this all the time that I'm shocked that we're here, but <laughs> I'm shocked once again that we're here. And there's really no real strong backboned opposition, which is really um, disappointing to see, for lack of a better, stronger word. Um, the fact that the NDP continue with this unofficial coalition with the Liberal government, I mean, this is resignation worthy on much more senior cabinet official level than just Anthony Rhoda being the fall guy for the Prime Minister's office and Prime Minister Justin Trudeau himself. Um, I know that there are a, a swath of Canadians who would love nothing more than for an election to be called and to give the Conservatives a majority government. Um, whatever side of the coin you're on there, it doesn't so much matter because I think just getting Trudeau out of office is the first step to trying to correct the awful trajectory that this this country is on, both socioeconomically and obviously politically. Um, and I think that if if all the previous ethics investigations against Prime Minister Justin Trudeau weren't enough, this should definitely be the nail on the coffin for his political career. But you can see he's just digging his heels on. And I think you you talked about it yesterday, you uh, and Sheila about how this is just more Russian disinformation somehow. I guess the Russians uh, were the ones responsible for approving this former uh, Hitler regime member to come speak to uh, the Canadian parliament. Oh, uh, Tamara, but 100%. I mean, on this National <laughs> Love Note Day, I'm surprised Vladimir Putin hasn't sent Justin Trudeau a love note, uh, because, as you know, one of the narratives for the Russian invasion into Ukraine is, and this is the word uh, the Russians use, denazification. And that is a bit of a stretch uh, by anyone's reckoning. But suddenly, you have a bona fide Nazi showing up in the Canadian House of Commons and getting lauded as opposed to, uh, uh, you know, ex sent over to Poland. And by the way, uh, Poland, mm -hmm. I understand, is now going ahead with, um, uh, you know, the process to get this individual 
expedited back to Poland, because let's not forget, some six million Poles died in World War II, mostly by the hands of the Nazis. And this guy um, apparently does have that blood on his hands. So, um, but to your original point, in terms of, um, I guess, regime change, alas and alack, uh, Tamara Ugolini, you were assuming that um, NDP leader Jagmeet Singh has some testicular fortitude, because what he should do is get a meeting with the prime minister and say, hey, listen, this is the last straw. I can't support you with this guy as speaker. And you know what? I mentioned this to Sheila, too. There would be, of course, something in it for Jugmeet, because the way I understand it, when the speaker steps down, there's three other candidates in waiting of different political parties. And what Jugmeet would say is, A, you get rid of him, and B, we nominate the NDP uh, MP for Speaker of the House, which, of course, Jugmeet would see as a victory. Uh, but uh, as far as I know, nothing on that front uh, right now. But it might be academic if my 5 p.m. prediction <laughs> comes true. Um, and Yeah, um, I'm actually hoping that maybe a breaking come happens, you know, while we're on the live stream, because I suspect it's just a matter of time. Uh, the backlash has been so, so extreme from just everyday Canadians as well that um, I think it's just a matter of time. But we do have a clip here to share yes. uh, with of Jagmeet Singh, where he's uh, calling for Rhoda to resign. Let's maybe throw to that. The Speaker of the House of Commons has taken responsibility for the actions on Friday, but there have been real-world impacts of his actions. It has hurt the Jewish community. It has been a detriment to the war effort for the people of Ukraine, President Zelensky. It has been uh, harm to their efforts. In fact, already the incident is being used by Russian propaganda to attack and to harm the efforts of Ukrainians. And finally, it has hurt, it has damaged the international reputation of Canada. And for these reasons, I reiterate our call that we came out yesterday on that the speaker should resign. Yeah, Mr. Singh. So why don't you do something about this tangibly? <laughs> why don't you pull your support for the blackface liberals? You know what? I think Canadians, mm -hmm. even NDP supporters, Tamara Ugolini, are absolutely sick and tired of this act. Jagmeet Singh calling mm -hmm. a press conference, finger wagging at blackface and the liberals. And then whenever it comes to the rubber meeting the road, uh, throws his support uh, behind this corrupt regime. Uh, I'm just getting a little tired of it. If he really feels that so many ethnic groups have been insulted and disappointed, which they are, uh, then Jagmeet Singh can pull his support. But, oh, I forgot. He's got to wait out the clock until 2025. That would be six years as an MP. That would be his lifetime pension kicking in. So uh, don't think uh, Mr. Rolex, Mr. BMW M3 is going to do anything quite that drastic. He's got very lavish taste for a socialist, you see. He certainly does. And that goes to say that if uh, his socialist followers were actually informed on the unfoldings and what's happening in the Canadian Parliament, then uh, perhaps perhaps they would be calling on them to to um, pull their support for this unofficial fringe minority party 
coalition. Um, but I think that they're being entirely misled, right? We have, and we talk about this all the time, how the mainstream media is um, just a, a lapdog for the government and the mouthpiece for whatever flavor, culture war flavor of the day, uh, narrative that suits the liberals and the NDP, the far left. And um, they don't have fair assessment or adequate, accurate information in order to actually push back politically on these parties. And we have a Oh, tweet, by the way, before um, you get to that, to my uh, attention. on that point you made, Tamara Ugolini, uh, you're right. The mainstream media was kind of late to the game on this one. This, this is a scandal, yes. of course, you can't ignore. It's worldwide attention um, for all the wrong reasons. But it was our beloved big boss man, Ezra Levant, who on the weekend uh, started doing the simple math. Wait a minute. If this guy, Hunka, is fighting the Russians in the early 1940s, um, that means he was against an ally of Canada uh, at the time in the Second World War. Um, Ezra sending out those uh, multiple tweets, the chronology, that's what got this um, story, uh, the snowball traction it deserved, because it seemed that, to me, the mainstream media was much like the PMO office, Tamara, uh, hoping nobody mm -hmm. would connect the dots, nobody would do the impolite math. Uh, there, there's an example of Ezra uh, right out of the gate um, talking about uh, Hanka, talking about what this unit was all about. They were death squads. They committed war crimes. They were murdering civilians, all right? And somehow this guy gets into the House of Commons to have a standing ovation. Um, I'll tell you this much. If I'm a member, a member of the opposition or anybody else, I'm sure not trusting the PMO on anything. If I hear, if I see on the docket there's a guest coming in, uh, I'm going to have my own researchers uh, do some research on this in case uh, we end up in the unsavory position of uh, giving mm -hmm. a standing O to a Nazi. Unbelievable. I still can't believe these words are coming out of my mouth, but I think you wanted to throw it to a clip, Tamara. Yeah, and trust in the... In the prime minister's office has long since been um, compromised. And so I don't know why nobody did this as a forethought anyway. Uh, now I hope it does prompt that those critical thoughts from mm. our political leaders. Um, but I, in my opinion, this should have already been done a long time ago. The, the PMO's office has, again, as we mentioned, shown uh, ineptitude, great ineptitude. And um, there's a tweet here just highlighting once again the hypocrisy of the bureaucracy that aged well from Justin Trudeau himself in 2013 before he was elected prime minister. Um, and he, he's quoting here, it's hard not to feel disappointed in your government every day there is a new scandal, right? And so like this is the scandalous, the most scandalous prime minister in Canadian history. Um, and uh, certainly from my my time. And um, it's just the, the inability to self-reflect and to recognize that you are quite literally the worst prime minister that this country has seen and make a con continually embarrass our country on an international uh, on the international stage. Unless, is just, Tamara, I, I don't even have words for it. 
Well, the only words I have for it, maybe blackface <laughs> was speaking in the third person in the future, in which case this would be the most <laughs> accurate thing to ever come out of his mouth since he took uh, reign as prime minister some eight long years ago. Wow, two Olympiads and counting. <laughs> I can't believe it. Um, but I think well, you wanted, was the video you wanted to throw to, was it... I mean, just the descriptor makes me laugh aloud. Prime Minister Trudeau says House Speaker Anthony Rota is reflecting mm -hmm. on how to restore <laughs> dignity. <laughs> You've got to be kidding. He needs a to spa the day. House of Commons. Uh, why don't we do... <laughs> Oh, my goodness. He already looks so defeated. Poor blackface. Oh. Let, let's hear what he had to say <laughs> on this one. <laughs> As I said yesterday, this was deeply embarrassing for the House and for Canada. Yeah. Uh, it is a good thing uh, that Speaker Rhoda apologized personally, and I'm sure he's reflecting now on how <laughs> to ensure the dignity of the House going forward. I know uh, that House leaders are going to be meeting uh, later this morning, and I'm sure they'll have very important conversations. He's trying to cry. Can you see that? He's like, oh, I better bring out my acting skills and try to shed a tear or two. Look at him. He just looks so distraught. Oh, you're sorry. I know I never thought of that, Tamara Ugolini. Maybe it's all an act. He is a former part-time drama teacher. It's like that John <laughs> Lovitz character in Saturday Night Live. Uh, Acting, you know, and yep. he, he should have brought and some onions cue. with him and put them under the, the lids. That's a that's an old acting trick. Yeah, the tears aren't coming, and even if they were, we know they are of the crocodilian variety when it comes to blackface. Uh, if you ask me, this guy is a a psychopath. Uh, he is a narcissist, and when I say psychopath, I don't mean he's killing anyone. You don't have to be. Uh, psychopathic um. and and be <laughs> you're having your doubts yeah well yeah maybe maybe i speak too soon but uh this is uh somebody who cares only about me myself and i and mm -hmm. uh and it's funny why didn't anybody in the press uh gallery there in ottawa uh ask the question uh mr prime minister will you be tendering your mm -hmm. resignation oh i forgot to marry galene we we don't want to get that impolite and insensitive with poor blackface. You know, that 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 might cut us off of some of the government funding. So we're, we're not exactly. going to go after the uh, the big fish in the pond here yet again. Yeah, the state broadcaster, they don't dare bite the hand that feeds. Um, we have a couple other clips that we'll just try to get through quickly here. One comes from uh, the, I'm just looking at the schedule here, I lost my place, Foreign Affairs Minister Melanie Jolie, and she actually calls for the resignation of Anthony Rhoda. It's, I think they just want to see him resign without actually having to take action to remove him. Uh, what happened on Friday is completely unacceptable. It was an embarrassment to the House and to Canadians. And I think the Speaker should listen to members of the House and step down. Yeah, that's our foreign affairs minister, Melanie Jolie. And by the way, when I say her title, I'm really putting emphasis on the affairs part. I won't go any further. Anyway, what do you make of that statement, Mary Ugolini? <laughs> well, it's funny. Usually the liberals are so in concert with one another. And so now you're seeing a little bit of um, some are veering away from Justin Trudeau's script where it's, oh, he's he's reflecting 
reflecting and thank goodness he personally apologized. And it's like, what does he need to do to reflect? Does he need to go on a spa day and get his nails and toes painted? I mean, what kind of reflection can you really do about something like this? This is a gross oversight, if not intentional. Um, I just, <laughs> I'm shocked that we're here once again. Um, and I'm really pleased to see that the that Canadians have um, pushed back on this. Finally, Canadians are growing a spine. They're growing their backbone. And um, we saw that when we launched the campaign against Rhoda at FireRhoda.com immediately on Sunday night when this became um, very apparent that this individual had these nefarious ties. Um we launched that, that that campaign and I think an, we sent one e email and we got almost 5,000 signatures overnight. So this shows just how disgusted Canadians are in the parliamentary uh, process and what's happened here. Um, and it's funny to see the Liberals start to veer from that concerted messaging that they typically have. And I mean, the fact that that it takes this for liberal cabinet ministers to acknowledge that Canada is an, an embarrassment on the world stage. Um, maybe now they're going to be more hyper aware of the fact that they were an embarrassment a long time ago, thanks to the actions of, um, as you would call him, blackface Mick Roper. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, you know, then we have more hypocrisy from this same bureaucracy, Karina Gould, the Liberal MP, um, she is She's is awful. kind of saying the same that she thinks it's time for him to resign. We have another clip here of her. Look, I think given what happened on Friday, given the fact that Mr. Rhoda decided to invite an individual who fought with the Waffen SS, and not only invite him to the address of the President of Ukraine, but recognize him in the gallery without informing either the government or the Ukrainian delegation or any parliamentarian that he was going to do this, I can't see, based on the conversations that I've had, that he will continue to have the support of Liberal members of Parliament, and I think it's time for him to do the Wow, Anthony Rhoda with Karina Gould uh, taking the knife out of its sheath. Uh, he must be saying et tu brutake because Karina Gould was appearing in a photo op with Hanka mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. some 72 hours ago. And suddenly uh, she's saying to the uh, this newfound master of disaster, yeah, you know, that was then and this is now and you got to go. Um, it, it, it's spectacular. Uh, it, it, there's well, the there's the photo. There's the and by the way, uh, I think Tamara, that middle I, one's his son there and he's um a head of a north bay uh health association or something uh anyway and, and you know what and that's very important uh i want this isn't getting any attention as far as i can tell but I think it's an important angle to this story. What in blue hell was the Hunka family thinking when they accepted this invite? Until Friday, uh, you know, uh, Hunka Sr., he was a nice little, polite, retired Nazi uh, living his life out in, in North Bay. And now, suddenly, the world is on this guy. And uh, there will surely, I imagine, 
be attempts to scrum him or his family members. They must be suffering from the biggest case of buyer's remorse, uh, Tamara Ugolini, since anyone decades ago bought a 1971 Ford Pinto. What say mm -hmm. you? Yeah, I think here we have this photo where he's clearly in the prime minister's office uh, meeting with Trudeau, Zelensky, as you saw previously, Karina Gold, who then tried to memory hole Canadians and say that we no one met with him. We like they they're essentially feigning ignorance that no one knew this guy was going to be coming into the House of Commons to receive a hero's address. Uh, this is just outlandish. And the internet is doesn't lie. Well, it does lie. But these photos don't lie. And yep. so it seems like these liberals are so out of touch. They, they've just gone so long unabated without accountability that they don't realize and recognize that, no, no, Canadians are keeping the receipts here. We have the photos. We have the posts. You tried to delete them. You tried to memory hold them. Sheila had a video on this yesterday. And so I think in addition to Anthony Rhoda, there's a lot of resignations that could and should be taking place after this massive international scandal, right? Like this isn't just specific to Canadian politics. This is massive on an international yeah. scale. And especially as Canada pledges its unabated, unrelenting support financially for the this proxy war between Russia and Ukraine. And now we're seeing like, can we can we finally talk about the fact that the Ukraine that Ukraine has a Nazi problem um, as this kind of exacerbates and highlights? And uh, the I mean, I would just love to be a fly on the wall to hear what uh, Vladimir Putin is saying at this point and how this looks on a socio-political landscape for our country, um, it makes me very nervous, right, heading into this continued support financially for these war efforts um, for, I guess, years to come. There's really no end in sight. And I think it's uh, $9 billion. Perhaps I'm getting confused with how much has been funded into the vaccine and therapeutics, but it's it's a lot of money and we're like trillions of dollars in debt. Anyway, the whole thing is just a mess. And I think that uh, we need to, you know, there needs to be an immediate change of governance. It's obviously not working. These people are obviously inept. Well, and if this isn't what what makes that happen, I don't know what is. A hundred percent, Tamara. But you know, uh, to answer your query of uh, what Vladimir Putin is thinking, this is a propaganda grand slam for him. All he has to say, you see, I told you, uh, this is the problem with Ukraine. Uh, they have a Nazi problem. Actually, I think Canada might have a bit of a Nazi problem by the looks of things. And uh, I mean, it's not just that. I would point <laughs> our viewers to um, a column in today's Toronto Sun by Joe Warmington. It was superb. There is an Oakville, Ontario cemetery, a Ukrainian cemetery that actually has a memorial to the unit that Hunka fought in. These were death squads. They were killing civilians. They were committing war crimes. And in Ontario, we have a memorial uh, commemorating uh, this. Uh, there, there we go. Thank you, uh, Super Producer uh, Olivia and uh, Efren. Um, and in the meantime, Tamara Ugolini, we are putting, we're tearing down Johnny McDonald statues or uh, right. on the lawns of Queen's Park, uh, putting them in uh, makeshift coffins with a garbage bag over St. John's head. Can you possibly mm -hmm. make sense of this? Well, these are the same people who said that 
the trucker convoy was a bunch of Nazis or they were funded by Russian uh, disinformation czars. I mean, I don't even know what the where that was traced back to. But um, now we have a literal Nazi in the House of Commons being applauded by everyone standing ovation. And um, and this this is is just such so scandalous and really um, puts us makes us very vulnerable on the world stage as we fund, like I mentioned, this this unabated proxy war um, as a Canadian who does not support any of this. This is deeply concerning. And the fact that there is no strong opposition in the House of Commons, once again, is even more disgusting. We really have to look to international leaders like the um, I think it was the Polish Minister of Education who wrote that press release that we featured a little bit earlier, basically saying like this individual may may be extradited to Poland to face the repercussions of their horrendous war criminal acts. Um, So, yeah, here he is calling uh, for taking steps to extradite Hunka. The the thing is, 98 years old. This might be political theater. These uh, extradition uh, procedures, uh, Tamara, usually take years. So it wouldn't surprise Mm -hmm. me if uh, Hunka would... uh, pass away uh, before the extradition was to take effect. Um, I'm wondering if Blackface is hopeful of that outcome as soon as possible so he doesn't have to answer any more Hunka uh, queries. But you know what? We're past the halfway mark. we got to take an ad break, uh, Tamara. And on the other side, we can talk about the further ripple effect um, of the, uh, can we call it Nazi-gate? Yeah, let's call it Nazi-gate. Goodness gracious, Tamara Mugolini, Rob Schneider is canceling his Canadian trip in terms of what happened in the House of Commons on Friday. Oh my, how am I ever going to sleep tonight? (laughs) We'll talk about that on the other side. Dr. James Lindsay, who is a frequent guest of both Joe Rogan and Jordan Peterson, and the host of the New Discourse podcast, is coming to Alberta for the first time. And so the conclusion was that we now have to train men the way that we train dogs with like leashes and shock collars and, and things in order to in order to get rape culture to go away. Medic religion is actually the easiest way to kind of make sense, honestly, of the trans phenomenon as well. Well, the queer theory thinks that there are certain people who get to set the norms of society. Dr. Lindsay will be speaking directly to the dangers of critical theory and its gender ideology uh, that are pushing their way into children's classrooms. In queer theory, you know, calling somebody saying you're a man or a woman is called a violence of categorization. You just, why don't you say it's, this is systemic sexism and distinguish from what most people think of as sexism. She said, no, it is sexism. It's the same thing, mm-hmm. but they're clearly not the same thing. You don't want to miss this. Tickets are selling fast. You can get yours today. That is being run by Take Back Alberta. So you can get those tickets on their website. October 2nd and October 3rd are the dates. And it's going to be an incredible event. Come on out November 25th. It's all aboard the Freedom Train in Niagara-on-the-Lake. You can check Rebel News for updates and also the Freedom Passport site. Tamara Leach, who led the Truckers Convoy, will be sharing the stage with some of the finest international recording artists. Like the Chops Horns from New York City, who's played with Alicia Keys, Stevie Wonder, the Rolling Stones, and many more. Plus, New World Sun, just off a European tour. And the legendary R&B master, Leroy Emanuel. Get on the freedom train with Tamara Leach. 
next Saturday, November 25th at Niagara on the Lakes Central Community Center, 680 York Road. Get your tickets today at freedompassport.ca. The Freedom Train is coming. Know your rights. Know your freedoms. Hey, Ben Shapiro here. This November, the Wilberforce Project is bringing me to Canada. If you want to fight the woke machine destroying families, join me in Calgary for my talk, hosted by the Wilberforce Project. Go to benshapirolive.ca for info and tickets. Well, Tamara Ugolini, I wonder if any of those uh, performers that are uh, slated to be appear on the Freedom Train concert are going to hop off the Freedom Train, given that we are inviting Nazis into the House of Commons. As I mentioned before the break, uh, when you have the star of Deuce Bigelow, male gigolo, <laughs> saying he ain't coming to Canada, wow, talk about a ripple effect. Uh, do you think this is uh, just the start of a trend of uh, maybe Canada going through a um, boycott, uh, d divestment, and sanction uh, country. Yeah, and I mean, I, I just likewise wonder how many more are going to pile on now. I mean, as a Canadian, I'm, and someone who does not support any of this, I am deeply embarrassed, and uh, I'm looking, like, every day, <laughs> living in another country looks better and better. So I do not blame anyone for deciding to forego Canada at this time. We're the laughing stock of on the international scale. Um, our parliament is riddled with a bunch of hypocritical clapping seals. Yep. And um, no one seems to be able to have an ounce of critical thought or a backbone. They just go with whatever way the wind blows. Hey, how's the polling? Okay, that's where we're going to go. No one seems to be uh, leading actually leading with any sort of moral principled stances and that goes for everyone including the the opposition um it took them days to speak out against the at, for the par par parental protests that happened across the country last week um they have not put enough pressure on in my opinion after this disgusting uh honorariat of this nazi in the the canadian parliament so uh, I really don't blame anybody. I think Canada is quickly uh, going down the drain. And the longer it happens, well, the more we're going to see the fallout of, of these kinds of decisions. Yeah, the um, I, I'm with you, Tamara. The uh, lack of forcefulness by the Conservatives on this is utterly baffling to me, I think. Uh, and, and also the... <laughs> how slow they were to react. Uh, again, I, I don't understand. Uh, but I can say this, if um, I should mention that at three o'clock, which means really closer to four, because blackface is never on time for anything. At the <laughs> Toronto Congress Center, uh, blackface is showing up. Uh, the Toronto Congress Center is near uh, Pearson International Airport. And uh, I understand there's going to be a protest of Canadians uh, as if they didn't have enough <laughs> to heckle the, the prime protest. minister over. Uh, yeah, because yesterday, of course, uh, blackface was hard at work. Oh, no, I'm sorry. He took the day off because there's nothing. There's really nothing to do in Ottawa. There was no fires to put out or anything. But for whatever reason, he's showing up at the Toronto Congress Centre. So if you live in the uh, GTA and you want to uh, give uh, blackface a piece of your mind, um, that's where to be uh, from 3 p.m. onwards uh, at 
the Toronto Congress Centre. I wonder why he's there, Tamara Ugolini. Is this some sort of, you know, photo op or, you know, press release? Is this another pathetic attempt to change the channel? Uh, he's going to make some announcement with the hopes of, we'll all forget about Nazi Gate and uh, Mr. Hunka. Give me a break. I hope it's uh, his resignation, but uh, <laughs> I, I doubt that my dreams will come true today at 4 p.m. We'll see. Uh, before we move on, I have we have a super chat from Fraser McBurney related okay. to this discussion, so I'll just read that quickly. Are we about to repeat history? The British introduced opium to China, sparking the opium wars. Now China is bringing in tons of fentanyl into the West. Is it time to declare war on fentanyl? Yes. Um, sorry, I thought that was more uh, going to be more in line with what we were discussing, the uh, the Nazi stuff. But anyway, um, is it time to declare war on, on fentanyl? I, I thought Fraser for a second... the time has long surpassed. <laughs> I thought Fraser for a second was alluding to um, the Prime Minister's plane that got uh, stranded in India. There's some um, chatter uh, mm. about uh, potential illegal substances found on board that plane by a, uh, a dog with a very good nose, it would appear. Um, and do we have... A, there we go. Justin Trudeau's aeroplane full of cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is an India <laughs> nationalist um, media source, so take it with a grain of salt. But regardless, um, it comes from the former Indian ambassador, Deepak Vora, who makes startling revelations. Um, he claims that the Canadian prime minister carried drugs and other psychotropic substances before attending the G20 summit in 2023, and so just uh, a few weeks ago, and simultaneously criticized him for supporting uh, Khalistani extremists in Canada. Um, yeah. Go ahead, David. Oh, I, you know, you're right. None, none of this has been proven. We must uh, stress that. But if I had to pick a side, uh, Tamara, um, Mr. Vora, even though I know nothing about him, that's that's more credible to me than Blackface, who is such a liar, he'd spit in your face and tell you it's raining, okay? So um, <laughs> I just wonder if there is a there there, and uh, in which case, um, that's a crime. That is clearly a crime. Uh, let's see where this goes. I'm sure all the mainstream media journalists are really hot to trot on getting the truth out on this story, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. As as always, <laughs> right? And uh, just a little hint of sarcasm there. But I really like these allegations here by this Indian diplomat. Uh, he also, Vora also said, when Justin Trudeau came to India for the G20 that this month, his airplane was full of cocaine. Full. He did not come out of his room for two days. He indicated that the Canadian Prime Minister behaves like he is a small child, so this isn't far off from what we see, and he has very little knowledge about international relations, also not far off from what we see. Um, but in his Parliament address, he used words like credible allegations against India. How can allegations be credible? Either it can be an allegation or it can be credible. I also have a credible rumor to make in that case that Trudeau is crazy. It is a cred credible rumor, he said. And so, you know, I find that this is, you know, a little bit satire as well. Um, I don't know how serious it actually is, but we do see that Justin Trudeau often acts like a small child and he has very little knowledge about international relations. So could he also be 
flying around with an airplane full of cocaine? I mean, Well, maybe. I would love to know for certain. Uh, but to Mary Ugolini, I think the point is here, is Canada in the world theater, if you will, I don't think we're very credible as a nation anymore, thanks to the behavior okay. of blackface. I think our allies look upon us as a grotesque embarrassment. You know, it's just one scandal after another. Don't forget before this, the hot burner item was the India fiasco. And before the India fiasco mm -hmm. changed the channel, it was Chinese electoral interference. Remember that one? And also Chinese mm -hmm. police stations operating in our great dominion. Remember that one? I mean, you know, Tamara, it's, it's like we're losing track of how many scandals this government has uh, created. In fact, after the show, I'm going to sit down with a notepad, maybe notepads plural, and I'm going to make a <laughs> yeah. note going back to 2015 of how many scandals uh, have been created by this uh, regime. And correct me if mm -hmm. I'm wrong, mm -hmm. I still don't, I think we still don't have an ethics commissioner in, in place, right. right? Yes, this is, yeah, that's a great point. Uh, something that, you know, just gets kind of pushed to the wayside and forgotten about in all of this, these scandally clad um, happenings in the parliament. But we we have a, a, a slightly breaking piece here that was just posted on X, formerly Twitter. Um, I kind of use those terms interchangeably until I get used to calling it X. But uh, the Deputy Prime Minister, Christia Freeland, who's also, we should note um, her grandfather was the editor of a Nazi newspaper and was indeed, as reported by the Ottawa Citizen, was indeed a Nazi collaborator. Yeah. So that's our, our Minister of Finance, our Deputy Prime Minister, Christia Freeland. Someone just scrummed her. Uh, this comes from Daisy Media. They scrummed her um, on Parliament asking her why this, not who invite, you know, why this Nazi was invited and subsequently received this honor. Rariate, uh welcome. And so let's show this this clip here that just came out. Miss Freeland, you and your government have called my friends and me white supremacists. You've called us all kinds of names. You had a Nazi in the House of Commons. Would you care to comment? Would you care to apologize? There was a Nazi in the House of Commons. I think resignations are in order. I'd say. Yeah, that's a uh, typical uh, Freeland and, for that matter, um, liberal response uh, to Mary Ugolini, which is to say they don't respond. And uh, those mm -hmm. are perfectly valid questions in my book. I mean, we even had um, perhaps the biggest idiot in the House of Commons next to Seamus O'Regan, uh, Yara Sachs. Remember that infamous quote that the honking of horns, honk, honk, is an acronym. Obviously, she doesn't know right. what an acronym means. That's an acronym for Heil Hitler. Um, do we have that? We should play this clip because this never gets old. And I want to scrum her. I want to ask her if she's ready to apologize because she made mm -hmm. this. She pulled this out of her you know what, and it's completely false. And yet her government is bringing in a bona fide Nazi war criminal into the House of Commons. Give me a break. So here's Miss Sachs in all her glory. How much vitriol do we have to see of honk honk, which is an acronym for Hail Hitler, do oh we need gosh. to see by these protesters on social media? People are absurd. Honk absurd. Honk. Have you, did, until she said that, seriously, uh, Tamara, did you ever hear 
of that kind <laughs> yeah. of uh, equivalence. If someone honks their horn uh, twice, that means they're saying Heil Hitler. I'll tell you that much. In downtown Toronto at rush hour, uh, Hogtown must be mm. full of Nazis because that's all you hear these days. <laughs> Yeah, well, and speaking of, of Toronto, what's happening there right now, uh, just as of today, there is rumblings of Convoy 2.0, um, that yeah. there are will be uh, more vehicles and more convoy participants heading on their way, I thought, to Ottawa, but as I suppose maybe a precaution, the Toronto police have completely shut down access to the city's downtown core. Um, we have some aerial views here to show you. Um, and it's really reminiscent of what happened in uh, 2021 when the convoy hit Ottawa. And then subsequently, I think it was about a week or two later, they were also going to roll into Queen's Park, the provincial legislature building. And the, the Toronto police, the city of Toronto swept into high gear they got all of their tow trucks and their buses and all of their heavy equipment and completely blocked off the that uh, parliamentary access to the parliamentary buildings there. Oh, but so Tamara, yeah, you can see here, look at it all. That's not all, all that blockaded. they're blocking off. And this is very important. Uh, based on rumors, they brought, uh, blocked off those intersections. Now, that is around Bluer and Queen's Park Crescent, that intersection, I do believe, or... Uh, is, or, or maybe it's Hoskin Avenue, but a little further south where the video clip began, that is Hospital Row, okay? That's yes. Sick Kids Hospital, Mount Sinai, Toronto General, etc. And if this blockade was preventing ambulances rushing people to critical care, uh, that is egregious. Um, I don't know if we can... Uh, see the, the uh, if we can the go back mm -hmm. yeah at the beginning but that is where hospital row uh begins and um that is a mm -hmm. i think that's a terrible thing to do uh based on rumors and as far as i know uh to mary galini the rumors never came true uh there was no and is no convoy. In fact, on the way yeah. into the office, I heard uh, on talk radio that the blockade has since been uh, disassembled. You know, I just wonder if this was an elaborate prank, if this was mm. people on social media chattering. And uh, I guess law enforcement is so fearful that if they don't act right away, uh, there's going to be another um, Ottawa situation. And mm -hmm. just based on that um, chatter, uh, they deployed all those resources, shut down all that traffic right at the height of morning rush hour, too. Uh, so I'm sure, you know, thousands of Torontonians trying to make a living were late for work again. Um, so I, I don't know how credible that intelligence was, uh, Tamara. Well, exactly. And uh, just to know that that comes, uh, that comes, that clip there comes from CTV News. Um, and it reminds me as well when the convoy was in Ottawa and the Ottawa police services blockaded further access of individuals to get into the downtown core or sorry, onto uh, Parliament Hill. And in doing so, they were the ones that blockaded traffic and blocked access for things like emergency vehicles. The convoy itself always kept that one lane open. Yes, it was a slowdown. Yes, it was inconvenient. Yes, it was a nuance, uh, a nuisance. But so was what the government was doing to Canadians for two full years and then eventually led to the mandates, the cross-border 
travel mandates that we're starting to see our grocery shelves become barren because truckers were placed under these ridiculous quarantine rules um, and then eventually vaccine mandates. And they were not going to comply and it was going to start to affect everyday Canadians who were simply going to the grocery store to get their food because if you access anything, it was brought to you here by a trucker. Um, they are the backbone to our economy. And um, and when the Ottawa Police Services deployed blockades to prevent increased traffic to Parliament Hill in wake of the convoy and the protests, at, because they just continued to grow, it just continued to pile pile up. They were the ones responsible. And you heard that throughout the Public Order Emergency Commission. You're hearing that now through the testimonies at the Tamara Leach and Chris Barber trial. Um, so this is another point in case where the police are responsible for more blockading than protesters ever could or ever would. And um, all really for nothing massive. I, you know, I just I wonder how many millions of dollars went into wasting uh, three quarters of a day or half a day of all city employees, all of their their heavy equipment, their vehicles um, for a rumor. hundred percent. And as you looked at the history of the Freedom Convoy, the demonization and vilification we saw of truckers, and I, I, I I continue to go back to uh, what the great Tucker Carlson had to say, which was. If you are alive, thank a trucker. And by that he meant mm -hmm. those groceries in the supermarket, uh, they didn't just appear there by magic. A truck brought them in. The medication that you depend upon at the pharmacy, they mm -hmm. got there by a truck too. And I can go on and on. And yet these were, if you remember, Tamara, uh, pre-vaccine, these were the frontline heroes. Remember that? Oh, the frontline heroes, the truckers, the tr which was true. Yeah. And then when you refused to get an experimental jab, uh, frontline zero to back of the bus, frontline hero to uh, back of the bus zero. Uh, absolutely uh, shameful. And uh, but here we are. And uh, I should get your two cents worth in because, you know, Tamara, I affectionately refer to you as our COVID nerd. I mean, and I, I mean that with all affection because you read through all those papers and reports that would put me to sleep on the third paragraph and you find the nuggets of truth and you're just so darn good at that. There are all kinds of rumblings. We are now officially into fall as of September 23rd. Uh, that we're headed back to mask mandates and uh, maybe lockdowns, social distancing. You, you know the drill. Uh, what? How would you gamble on that if you had a quid or two to bet? Well, that's why I thought it was so important that we went out and we did those uh, streeter reports. So streeters are where we go out into the wild and we garner the public opinion of people quite literally just on the street. And I wanted to see what people were thinking and feeling because sometimes I feel like we're in such a, an echo chamber. And um, obviously, I'm very well connected at this point to a lot of the, the quote unquote experts who provided those contrarian, dissident, questioning criticisms of how the COVID was handled, how it unfolded. Uh, obviously, primarily how the mandates, both mask and vaccine mandates were handled. And um, I think that there is just a pile, a mountain of evidence now showing that these measures were um, un really unnecessary and ineffective to do anything to stop the viral spread. And I think more and more people are now 
adequately informed on the fact that these measures taken were never justified and they really didn't do anything. I mean, we had mask mandates and vaccine passports and they both of those things were supposed to be our tickets out of the pandemic right we heard yep. that repeatedly over and over in 2021 and 2022 this is the ticket out of the pandemic ticket out of the pandemic get your booster wear your mask and yet somehow three years later we ended up back at the same place that we didn't even start from because at the beginning they knew they said oh well um the masks don't don't do anything on a community level so universal masking is not based on science it doesn't work don't even bother um so I would I I say that there would not be the compliance rate that there was before but then when you go out into the street and you talk to to just lay people um who appear to be still unaware of this science and that is arguably the fault of the mainstream media who refuses to do any actual critical reports on any of these subjects um and get this to the Canadian public I was shocked to see how many people said hey well if it saves just one life hey we did it before we might as well just do it again so I, but I don't think the political landscape anymore is ripe for that kind of knee-jerk hysterical reaction. Um, and, and I would say more and more people are starting to support independent media. And so they're starting to just now naturally go out onto their in their own and, and get this information and uh, disregarding the mainstream media for the propaganda preachers that they are. You know, the question is, Tamara Ugolini, what the compliance rate would be if we go into another series of lockdowns. I mean, uh, in Toronto, are people really going to go to Trinity Bell Woods Park and sit in a social distancing circle? <laughs> yeah, oh my <laughs> like, gosh. You know, I, I'm not making this up. Uh, are they going to wear their masks? Are they uh, going to shut down uh, their mom, pa businesses? Well, the big multinationals and the Liquor Control Board of Ontario, well, that, that'll be business as usual. Actually, better than business <laughs> as usual because they're the only game in town. Um, that is the big question. And uh, I guess we'll have to see if, uh, what the answer will be when we do the streeters are not scientific. It's not a big enough sampling. And by the same token, for some reason, and I want to get your thoughts on this, Tamara, I know of at least three comic book stores in the city of Toronto. We did a story on one that yes, have mandatory masking, even right now in September of 2023. You ain't buying your copy of Amazing Spider-Man if you dare walk into uh, the store without a mask on. Actually, have I stumbled upon something? They're so used to the characters in comic books wearing masks, maybe they think we should all wear masks, make the make uh, Planet Earth a giant uh, uh, comic book uh, filled with characters from the Avengers and the Justice League of America. But really... Tamara, what do you think it is about that niche that they're still, they're still terrified despite all we know about this virus? Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, when you were trying to get answers on just that, I remember watching that video. That's a couple months ago now. Um, people just can't, they can't attest to it, right? They're just, this is the science. We are, <laughs> Anthony Fauci is our God. We kneel at his feet and kiss his toes. We're wearing our mask for forever because that is the COVID religion that we have been propagandized by. 
And it's really sad to see. I think this is clearly um, the the massive behavioral modification techniques that were deployed indiscriminately on uh, civilians, unbeknownst to them, right? They had no idea that they had never been faced with this kind of incessant propaganda before. And they've really been propagandized by the government and the media and these public health overlords. And once you're once you are subjected to cult-like behavior and once you become ingrained in this cult um i've done a few reports on this with people uh, one author in particular who broke free from a cult you really need psychological help to get out of that mentality and so i think that this is unfortunately a, the sad reality for people who have been captured and propagandized by the covid cult uh that they will not it, it's not an easy process to disentangle your brain from the the mechanisms that have been deployed onto it and and that we you know we I, I think that we should feel sorry for those people um, that have have suffered as a result of this propaganda at no fault of their own because they're just not capable of getting that critical thinking skill engaged to see from an outside perspective how they have been radicalized by the COVID regime. So I try to be compassionate, um, but yeah, it's clearly not, it's not based on anything other than propaganda at this point. You see, Tamara Ugolino, I agree with everything you just said, but here's the thing that I just can't understand. I just can't connect the dots. They will say, we're following the science and you're safer with a mask than without a mask. But wait a minute. The chief uh, public health poobah, at least in Ontario, Kieran Moore, going back to March of mm -hmm. 2022, said, Hey, folks, we're out of the woods. No more masking. I think it was March 21st, if memory serves, 2022, where the head honcho, the guy who's a doctor, the guy who's a scientist says, uh, you don't have to wear these anymore. So how do I mean, you know, listen, you know, God bless the people who sell comic books, but I don't think they have scientific degrees. I don't think they have medical degrees. Why are they in a position now where they're saying, uh, yeah, but we think we know more better than uh, Dr. Kier Moore. Thank you. So it's business as usual with the masking. The only thing I can think of, and, and I know Ezra has opined about this, I think if in September of 2023, you see especially young, healthy people on a beautiful fall day walking around uh, with a mask on, being the only occupant of a car with a mask on and the windows rolled up. This has nothing to do with medicine anymore, Tamara. This is a political statement. It is, I believe in big government. I believe in big lockdowns. I believe in having my civil liberties uh, stomped on. And this is, you know, much like a, a Muslim lady wears a hijab, a Christian would wear a cross, a Sikh gentleman wears a turban. You know, I'm on team Islam, team Christianity, team Sikhism. Uh, I'm on team big government and being told what to do. And, you know, 50, 60 years ago, these were the young people on campus uh, rightfully uh, demonstrating against the Vietnam War, mm -hmm. asking for mm -hmm. civil rights improvements, which, of course, have since come. And suddenly um, they're on team the man. It is inexplicable to me, Tamara. Yeah, they're clearly pledging their allegiance to the COVID regime and the uh, the god of Anthony Fauci. 
Um, before we wrap this up, because I know that you're being deployed as our mission specialist out in the field, David, <laughs> um, we have a super chat from earlier that I missed uh, from Sherry Donner 78, uh, who says, notice that the region of Waterloo Council is planning to pass a bylaw tomorrow, 6.30 p.m., to ban protests on public property following the parental rights protest of last Wednesday. Lots to read. Yeah, I'm sure you can find that. Um, and if I may, Tamara... I was tipped off to that just yesterday, and I will be going to that council meeting. This is completely oh. unconstitutional. This is like that, yeah. you know, Calgary is trying to get away with the same sort of shenanigans there mm -hmm. with uh, LGBT and drag queen stuff. This is not the bailiwick of a municipality. This is yet again another war on free speech. And um, it is going to be very interesting mm -hmm. to hear the arguments uh, being made why the, um, uh, you know, the Spirit Unicorn Syndicate is this precious little demographic that must be spared any kind of hurtful or insensitive rhetoric from anyone, given that this is a uh, group that represents less than 2% of the population worldwide. But yeah. uh, we have yet again again, uh, in that neck of the woods in Ontario, woke tyrants trying to stifle freedom of speech. Um, I'm, I'm going to be very uh, interested to see what kind of, um, uh, out, you know, how many people come to express their outrage mm -hmm. about getting their rights taken away. Especially as the Calgary bylaw has um, is facing a legal challenge, right? It's being yes. challenged constitutionally um, that this is just, they just don't have the jurisdiction for this kind of bylaw. So we'll see, I guess, how that unfolds and what happens um, there in Waterloo. But we have some breaking news, David Menzies, to share. Uh, senior Liberals um, have announced that Anthony Rhoda has resigned wow. from as his position of speaker in the House of Commons. So uh, I was CBC off by News three hours. I didn't hear you make a reported. guess, or did you make a guess? I can't. I can't remember. But I would have I lost the office. I said it was a ticking pool. time bomb. <laughs> yeah. Anthony Rota resigned as speaker after inviting former Ukrainian soldier with Nazi ties to Parliament. There, there it go. is. Um, he and lost way, support of. Oh, go ahead, Key liberal ministers on Tuesday. So, yeah, and as we said earlier, is. this is He's not resigned. enough. We need more heads to roll in this, especially yeah. somebody from the PMO's office or the PM himself. Metaphorically that, speaking, David. Yeah, yes, please. Uh, I'm not calling on anybody with a guillotine to go after anybody, okay? I mean metaphorically, of course. And by the way, speaking of metaphors, Tamara Ugolini, you said a ticking time bomb. Time bombs don't tick anymore. They're all digital. So I'm just trying to educate <laughs> you, you. It's what I do. And there you have it. <laughs> There's your lesson of the day on, what was it called again? National. Uh, love note day. Love okay. note day. <laughs> no love notes to Anthony Rhoda. He's formerly resigned after he lost the support of his colleagues. Bye-bye yeah. to him. Thank I wonder, so though, he'll still hold his seat, though, as an MP. Um, that will be interesting. Yeah. And once upon a time, this speaks to a bigger issue, too, Tamara. And when you were involved with the scandal of this, there was no mm -hmm. question that member would tender his resignation. 
you know, right away. Can you believe Bev Oda had to resign over a $16 glass of orange juice? I mean, right. and now you have Nazis coming into the house and, uh, well, I'm, uh, stuff happens. I said, sorry, uh, can't you move on? Uh, no, we can't. Uh, and this isn't going to make this scandal go away. Uh, there's still so many unanswered questions. But yes, tomorrow, as you mentioned, uh, we got to get out to the Toronto Congress Centre. Um, wonder if the mainstream media will be there. Um, yeah, and I wonder if they're going to, you know, shut down the Congress Centre. That ha that's a place that has acres and acres of free parking. But, you know, Blackface is special. He doesn't like, uh, you know, the riffraff uh, waving uh, F. Trudeau signs. So maybe they're going to do what they can to uh, stifle the protest. But scheduled for 3 p.m., folks. So if you're in the area, uh, drop on by and say hello, say hello to me. Uh, come up with some pithy pros for the camera and we'll put you on the next rebel report as for now we got to wrap things up i want to thank our super producers olivia and efren and i want to thank all our audience that tuned and especially those who made uh, those super chats that's how we keep the uh, the lights on and of course to my uh, beloved colleague tamara ugolini who i repeat will not be getting a love note from me <laughs> even though we don't have an hr director you can never be too safe can you folks i'll be back here tomorrow i believe it's with uh sheila gunn reed and in the meantime as always stay safe and stay sane uh, there are calls by Benet Breath <laughs> to reopen a report by the Duchesne Commission so that Canadians can know how many veterans who fought with the Nazis are here in our country. Um, will the government do so? And what is your response to that? I think, you know, let, let me just start uh, by reiterating, and I don't think it can be said too many times uh, how hurtful for so many people in Canada and around the world uh, what happened was and has been and continues to be as uh, MPs in our capacity as MPs uh, it's important for appropriate next steps in the House to be taken. And I think that is our immediate focus. And as a government, we're going to be very thoughtful about any further steps that need to be taken. Justin Trudeau's new censorship law, Bill C-18, it's a shakedown and a desperate attempt to keep the mainstream media afloat. Many have already lost their ability to access our Facebook and Instagram pages. The blackout will soon affect every user in Canada. We've partnered with Private Internet Access, a VPN provider dedicated to safeguarding digital privacy. For just $2 a month, you can maintain your access to our content across all your devices at piavpn.com slash rebelnews.